Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. St. Augustine once said, Love God and then do whatever you want. I'll say that again. Love God and then do whatever you want. Now, some people upon hearing that would say, Great, I waited to hear that all my life. Now I'm out of here. Well, St. Augustine does not give us a green light to live a life of debauchery or a lifestyle that's contrary to the gospel. Instead, what he means by love God not in superficial terms, when we feel like it, when we have a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, a little bit of energy. No, love God that is real and intense, such that our whole focus is riveted on God and God alone. Our heart, our mind, our soul devoted to God. Our will and our intellect devoted to God and his presence in our life when we see it or feel it. Now, when that happens, yes, then we can love God and do whatever we want because our will is now aligned to the will of God, such that what? Your thoughts are the thoughts of God. Your actions are the actions of our Lord. Your words are the words of Christ. Well, we see that in the first reading as well as in the gospel firsthand. We see people who love God and then do whatever they want. In the first reading, Abraham teaches us the proper response to the presence of God in our life. Notice how it begins. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the tenebreath of Mamre, as he sat in the entrance of his tent while the day was growing hot. Looking up, Abraham saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to greet them, and bowing to the ground, he said, Sir, if I may ask you this favor, please do not go past your servant. Well, Abraham sees these three men, but notice how he addresses them as one. He says, Sir, he doesn't say gentlemen. He addresses them as one person. The early church fathers saw that in this story is the foreshadowing of our doctrine of the Holy Trinity. We believe as Catholics in one God but three persons of God. Well, the three persons of God have now burst into the life of Abraham. Realizing that he is in this divine presence, Abraham now engages in this frantic state of hospitality. First, he washes their feet. Then he gives them refreshment. And then he asks Sarah, his wife, to make cakes for them. And then finally, he asks a servant to slaughter his best calf. Well, what we have to understand is hospitality in the ancient world was a sign of great moral behavior and character. It was important to receive your guests graciously. But this story has nothing to do with hospitality. Instead, it teaches us the proper reaction 
to the presence of God in our life, breaking into our life. Abraham sees the presence of God in his life and he drops everything. Now, his whole attention is riveted on these three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is the sole focus of his attention. That's why he engages in this frenzied pace of hospitality. You know, this is a great lesson for us all. This is what we should do. This is how we should respond. When God breaks into our life, when either we see or we feel God's presence in our life, whether it's through prayer, through the sacraments, the Eucharist, engaging stewardship, whether it's people or events, we know when God is present. And so like Abraham, we have to be very attentive to that, be riveted to that presence and offer God the best of what we have, the best of our heart, mind, and soul, the best of our will and our intellect, our time and attention. Notice at the final end of the story, one of the three men say to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah then will have a son. Well, mind you, Abraham and Sarah, it's estimated that right now they're in their 90s. That's why upon hearing this, Sarah lets out this loud roar of laughter. But Abraham doesn't. He doesn't laugh at all. He trusts and believes. And sure enough, a year later, Sarah gives birth to their first and only child and son, Isaac. And in Hebrew, Isaac, the word means God laughs. Now, what's the implication for us? Well, when we focus our attention on the presence of God in our life, then our lives are benefited by it. Then our lives will be enriched, just like Abraham was. Now, this first reading sets the tone for the gospel. It's the same theme the proper way to react to the presence of God in our life. Now, one of the things I've learned about this gospel, about Mary and Martha, stirs up a lot of emotion and a lot of reaction. So many people can either identify with Mary or with Martha. Now, based upon the first reading, we know that this gospel passage has nothing to do about hospitality. And it has everything to do about how we respond to God's presence in our life. Now, some people will say that the story of Mary and Martha is the story between the active life and the contemplative life, because Mary and Martha both represent each. But I always challenge people to dig deeper spiritually. That's where the pearls are. What does Jesus really comment on regarding Martha? That her life is split. Her mind is going this way, her soul is going that way. Her intellect is going one way, and her heart is going just the opposite way. Her whole life is split because she's so anxious and worried about so many things. She's not focused on the one thing necessary, which is Jesus Christ himself, present now in their life. But you look at Mary. Mary knows and appreciates the one thing necessary. Her heart, her mind, and her soul are focused on Jesus and his presence right now in her life. Her will, her intellect, her time and attention is riveted on the presence of Christ in her life, right then and there. That's why it says in the gospel, Mary sat at the side at his feet, Jesus' feet. 
Well, next in the story, it says, Martha, burdened with much serving, came to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. Well, there's a few things that we can take from this small passage. One, it's never good to yell at God. And two, it's never good to tell God what to do. Just food for thought. Instead, how does Jesus respond to her? Does he get upset, angry, frustrated? No, instead, he's very patient. He's very charitable, very compassionate. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is a need of only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. Well, that is so true. You know, that is so true for many of us. You know, on any given day, we go to work, or maybe we're at home, and we have a laundry list of things that need to be done. Maybe laundry needs to be done. Maybe we need to go to the grocery store. Things need to be fixed at home. Maybe cleaning needs to be done. We're so preoccupied with these things. Maybe running errands, taking the kids here or there. We're so anxious about getting all these things done within the day. But what's the danger? I would refer to it as the Martha danger. We're so anxious, we're so preoccupied like Martha with all these things, that these things now run our lives. And worse yet, they distract us from that one thing necessary, the presence of God in our life. And that's what Jesus is getting at. If you look at the first reading, God appeared to Abraham. And what did Abraham do? He dropped everything. He chose the one thing necessary and he riveted his attention on the presence of God in his life immediately. Mary, likewise, does the same thing. She chooses the one thing necessary to make sure that her time, her attention, her will and her intellect, her heart and her soul is riveted on the presence of God right then and there in her life. You know, another great story to prove this point. So remember the story of Peter and the apostles? It's the middle of the night. They're in the boat. They're in the sea. And all of a sudden, a storm brings up. And they're terrified. Then they see Jesus walking towards them on the water. At first, they see or think that he's a ghost. Peter calls out to him and says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. And Jesus says, fine, come. Come to me. And Peter It says it's riveted his attention on Jesus Christ. In Christ alone, he gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the water himself, all along focused on Christ and watching him. But what's Peter's mistake? He takes his attention away from Jesus. He begins to look at the storm, the waves, the rain, the wind, and suddenly he begins to sink. Well, I think that's really the heart of the lesson. The first reading as well as the gospel are trying to teach us. When we see or feel the presence of Christ in our life, essentially our heart, our mind, our soul, our time, our attention must be riveted to that presence. And in doing so, we benefit. Our faith grows all the more. You know, the early church fathers referred to that one thing necessary as the unum necessarium, Latin, for the one thing necessary in our life, which is to devote ourselves to the presence of God in our life. 
Jesus, yes, he is present in our life. Therefore, what we have to do is choose that one thing necessary. Focus our complete attention on his presence in our life. See, when we do that, then our heart, our mind, our soul, our will, and our intellect will all be in harmony with each other. Unlike Martha, her mind was going this way, her heart was going that way. Her intellect was going one way, her soul was going just the opposite way. She was split. But when we focus on the one thing necessary, like Mary, then it all falls into harmony. Our will, our intellect, our time, attention, our heart, and our soul. And in doing so, it's a sense or a source of peace for us. Even in the midst of chaos or maybe challenges we have in our life, if we choose the one thing necessary— which is to focus our attention on the presence of Christ, then we will have a sense of purpose and fulfillment in life because we have now aligned ourselves to the will of God. And see, Augustine understood this completely. He understood the one thing necessary. That's why he said, love God and then do whatever you want. Abraham and Mary are great examples of that. They did just that in this weekend's readings. So too with us, each and every day of our life, if we choose the one thing necessary, then yes, we can love God and we can do whatever we want because whatever we do will always be aligned with God, now and forever. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.